Welcome to the podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel, Bio Soul Integration. There, my goal is to help you integrate body and soul, to help you feel completely, express fully, and live authentically. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Eaker. Let's get into it. Yeah, so I want to talk about um, habits, how habits sort of uh, get formed, and specifically sort of different three different levels of awareness that will allow us to sort of break habits. I'm Jay Eaker from the BioSoul Integration Center in Louisville, Colorado, and I help soul-led people to embody their soul's gifts so that they can uh, share those gifts on the planet and do what it is that they came here to do. There's a lot of, uh, you know, healing that happens on other levels when someone does that, whether it's back pain or um, emotional issues or, you know, depression or anxiety or body chemistry or spiritual stuff, being able to manifest yourself on the planet. Uh, there's a lot of those things that sort of clear up when we can help someone embody their soul's gifts and their soul's essence and get them to start moving in the direction of doing what it is that they've been put here to do. Uh, if you, uh, if you could please subscribe to my YouTube channel here, like it, share it, leave a comment. Uh, I'd love to talk to you in the comment section. If you see this somewhere else on podcast, you can found bio soul integration podcast can be found wherever podcasts are found. And, uh, as well as on any social media outlets, you might run into this there, wherever you find it, please like it, share it, pass it along to those who might be interested. So habits and different levels of awareness that make it possible for us to break those habits or to heal those, you know, habitual behaviors. So the first level you know, the first level of awareness that has to do with habits, you know, they say there's, how's it on the continuum of awareness? Like I know, I know what I know. I know what I don't know. And then there's, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so first, a lot of people are not even aware of their habits. A lot of this stuff is happening under the surface unconsciously. Our, our lives, our bodies and our lives are being controlled unconsciously. That's a huge part of our behavior as humans. Probably like 90% or something like that. We're animals on some level. We're going off of instinct on some level. That instinct and that behavior is, is controlled, impacted on some level by the survival patterns that have gotten installed in our system. Uh, when we're born, there's a certain part of our nervous system that comes online, the primitive base layer part of our nervous system that I call the primal brain. And what it does is, is it, it starts to, it, develops like two to four weeks, two to four weeks after conception and is the thing that's running the show from then until about age seven, where that part of the nervous system is really just feeling into our environment. We're gathering information about how to do this human thing by 
uh, interacting with the energetic vibe of the people and the culture around us. And we're sort of exchanging information directly on that energetic level. And if their nervous system says this is the way to do it, then we automatically adopt that because we rely on them for our survival. There's some basic level in which we know that um, fitting in the herd is going to ensure our survival as a, as an earth being. It's something that we upload from millions of years of, you know, life on earth. And so, um, there are ways that we, un, you know, just, it gets baked into our system ways that we are judging parts of just like our parents did. Um, they judge, you know, um, what's, what's their relationship with power? What's their relationship with love? What's their relationship with fear and anger and joy and everything that, you know, everything that human being human means, um, what's their relationship with those things and those part of themselves. And we learn like, oh, they've pushing this part away. They are separating themselves in these ways and, um, it's something that they picked up from their parents and they picked up from their parents and so on. So it's no one's fault, but, uh, we pick up on that automatically and automatically instantly we adopt those ways of being, we kind of tune ourselves just like they've tuned themselves. And part of that tuning means that we push away parts of ourselves. Awareness is taken away from is drained out of certain parts of ourselves and, and this, this pattern, this program is installed that says, you know, we don't look at that. We don't look at that. We don't even know why we don't look at it. We just don't look at it. Um, and then we go about, uh, go about living that out in our lives as we sort of grow and develop. It shows up physically as tension that we're holding in our bodies, as our body uses muscle tension to wall off energy in our bodies and separate parts of ourselves from other parts. We use, uh, posture to re, to, um, re, um, direct energy so that we don't have to feel, for instance, say the energy from our pelvis, that we don't have to feel that in our hearts because we've made it a, pro- a program there that says pelvic energy is bad. Sexual energy is bad. It's trouble. So we separate it. Um, we, and then we put a limit on the range and depth of emotion. We'll give ourselves permission to feel. And if we put a limit on the range and depth of emotion, we'll give ourselves permission to feel. Well, that, uh, colors, uh, our mental, the, the belief systems, the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what this is and why we're here and how we're related to what this all is. Um, if there's a limit on the range and depth of emotion, for instance, if we can't feel awe and, um, and, uh, appreciation and gratitude, um, those are things that are necessary for, for experiencing God basically. And if, for instance, those things are pinched off, then you're not, your mental stories are going to reflect, reflect that you can't feel awe and gratitude, your, your, your story you tell yourself about God, about the source is going to be different than someone who can experience awe and gratitude, for instance. So there's these programs installed in us and anything, 
it's a matter of survival on some level. It got stored, it got created on out of a, a matter of survival. Um, and anything in our life that sort of threatens to expose that, like threatens to bring that into consciousness and make us see that will, um, anything that threatens that we will sort of unconsciously and automatically try to avoid that. So if there's a person or a situation or a circumstance that threatens to bring unconscious parts of us to the surface, we will avoid those people or avoid that situation, you know, avoid a relationship with this person or, um, sabotage a relationship with a person or avoid this opportunity, work opportunity in life or whatever, whatever it it may be. So, So there's a way in which, um, these survival patterns create unconsciousness in us and we we're sort of locked inside of patterns of behavior you know if we're constantly trying to avoid feeling something uh again it sort of runs our lives unconsciously um and we don't you know we don't necessarily see it so we don't know what we don't know um yeah. So that, that kind of brings us to the next sort of stage of awareness almost. Um, if you, you know, what's going to happen though, is that we will sort of see the same things. We'll start to, at some point, we'll start to see the same thing over and over again. We'll become aware of the fact that, you know, wow, we keep, I keep finding that I get into these relationships and the relationship then ends, you know, in a, in a very similar way, or I keep losing jobs, um, because of certain behavior or, um, you know, situations like that. We'll start to, we'll start to clue into it. We'll start to notice like, Hmm, there's a pattern here. I've been here before. This is interesting, you know? Uh, this is very similar to the last relationship. This is very similar to the situation that happened the last time, or, you know, I don't know, like with my wife, you know, uh, we, when we trigger each other, we relationship is a crucible for growth and a crucible for sort of bringing this stuff, bringing these patterns, uh, survival patterns to awareness. But, um, you know, when we get under-resourced or get, um, uh, you know, hungry or tired or whatever, under-resourced in some way, we're more liable to sort of trigger each other, to trigger our survival, you know, survival part of us. And, you know, that's when we get into fights. And when we get into fights, you know, we like, they're always kind of the same. They're usually about a similar thing, usually about a similar theme, you know, and I say similar things and she says similar things and it, it kind of escalates, you know, and, um, And so there is a part of our, you know, part of us that's sort of getting, getting triggered there. And we, again, find ourselves in the same situation over and over and over and over again. Um, so, you know, there comes a point when you start to notice, and I guess this is a good segue because things like that show up, especially in a relationship, especially, you know, with me and my wife. And it's like, well, what do we do? Well, we go and get therapy. You need someone to sort of help you 
you know, talk about these issues, these themes from a heart centered place, from a place that's not this sort of survival brain place. That's not going to suck you into the same old, um, dynamic and, you know, strictly sort of cognitive psychotherapy is a good place also where people learn about sort of academically speaking, this is kind of the second level of awareness that I've started to talk that I wanted to start to talk about when people start to figure out like, huh, something's going on here. I find myself in the same situation over and over again. And then maybe someone, they might reach out for a self-help book. You know, they might reach out for some book on, uh, that might, uh, help them solve a particular problem. And so they learn sort of information about that. And depending on the author's bent, you know, they might learn about, you know, family dynamics, or they might, you know, they might learn about different things that are underlying reasons for why, um, for the, for the stuck places that people get in, in their bodies or their lives. Or maybe it's a, you know, a book about back pain and somehow, and, you know, the book says eat, eat good food and back pain. This is why it happens. It happens because, because there's not enough strength in the belly or the gut or something, you know, in the, the front of the body or something like that. Or maybe it says because there's imbalance in the hips or, um, you know, you get sort of information, practical, pragmatic information about the situation, about how it happened. You know, if it's could be relationship stuff, maybe you learn about your family dynamics growing up and how that stuff affected it. And now because of what you, what happened there, this is why you respond that way. So there's sort of like information for your thinking mind about, about the habit, about why you keep finding yourself in this particular situation. And, uh, that's very useful information for sure. It's a stage towards, uh, changing the habit and, and just, you know, probably for a lot of people, they are able to sort of change a habit or they're able to make, you know, great progress on changing a habit with that kind of information. But depending on the habit, um, that kind of information is only going to take you so far because the source of the habit, again, uh, its source has to do with, again, this primal brain, this part of our, this survive, this deeply, um, survival oriented part of our early brain that developed when we were in the womb and picked up stuff from our, from the people around us and created survival patterns based on that. So on some level, that part of your brain, that part of your nervous system sees this as a life or death situation. And, um, and that program got installed in us during a time when, you know, there was not a lot of thinking going on there. In fact, there was no thinking going on when you're in the womb, there's no thinking going on. Even when you're, you know, when you're two years old, when you're, when you're six months old, there's no thinking going on. When you're two years old, barely any thinking really going on. You're still interacting with the world through the, you know, directly through the energetic feel sense of, of what's happening 
And even when you're four or five or six, um, you know, little kids don't think the same way that adults think there. Um, there's not as much real estate that is dedicated to thinking intelligence as there is when we're adults. And there's something that happens after about age seven, where people start to move more in that direction. They start to move more in the direction of taking for granted the, there's a certain amount of, um, meaning that's been created and associations that have been created, um, that becomes automatic and that people just sort of rely on that from that, from that point forward, from about age seven on. And, you know, that's why they, lots of developmental psychologists and, and whatnot talk about how up to about age seven is a really important, you know, really influential time in our lives, especially as far as habits go, habitual behaviors that we get ourselves into. But anyway, my point is, is that, uh, these things got installed at a time when there was no thinking going on, when there was just feeling going on. And so, although we could make great changes, potentially, um, we cannot often completely sort of dissolve uh, a habit through thinking. You can't, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter how many books on a certain thing you read. It's not going to matter on some level. It's not going to matter how much psychotherapy you get. That's going to, um, that is going to, um, you know, the, the benefit of that will, will run itself out at some point, depending on the level of the habit and things that we're dealing with here. But, um, so there's a way in which we can't think ourselves out of it. Um, we have to feel our way, our way through it because the survival pattern that's responsible for this habit is, um, you know, it happened, uh, it happened at a time when we weren't thinking at all. It got installed at a time when we weren't thinking, we were just feeling, we were relating to the, the felt sense. And so that kind of brings me to the other level of awareness which is a direct awareness, um, a, a felt sense. And what that means is that means, you know, if there's, you know, you might find you've been engaged in some habitual behavior. Let's say it's just getting on the internet a lot or watching TV or smoking cigarettes or eating certain foods at certain time or drinking on a regular basis, you know, um, that's a popular thing, you know, drinking a glass of wine or two glasses of wine every night or, um, you know, going shopping or all of these things can be habits. And what's it like when we don't get to do those things? Maybe a lot of us are finding out what it's like when we don't get to do those things. Like me, for instance, I really love movies, really love movies. And I can't, and I love the whole thing. I love the whole thing about going to the theater and getting popcorn and the whole thing. And it's really an escape for me. And I can't do that these days. Right. And so 
there's a certain level, especially lately when things get kind of hard, when I think, oh my God, I wish I could just go to a movie, you know? But what, anyway, what happens when we don't get to do those things? What happens if you don't get to smoke the cigarettes? You don't get to, um, you know, you don't get to eat the thing that you want to eat. You don't get to, uh, watch TV. You don't get to get on the internet. All of a sudden your internet goes out for a day or something like that. And you don't have internet, your phone, you know, your phone, uh, breaks down on you somehow. And then you get to see like, wow, what is life like without this thing that I have constantly, constantly, um, checking in with what happens. Um, often emotions start coming to the surface. We get agitated. We maybe fear anxiety, panic of some level, you know, something, the thing that's sort of been beneath the surface starts to sort of like come to the surface. And all of that is happening in our bodies. Um, we're being asked to have a greater felt sense of what's happening in our bodies. Same that's with, you know, uh, panic or anxiety or anger or frustration or, um, you know, like I, uh, a big thing that happened to me while, as I had these, uh, I had these blisters and boils and swelling joints that would show, show up in my hands and my feet. And after a long time of sort of paying attention to that, I sort of noticed that, um, it has something to do with anger. And I also noticed that whenever I would get sort of agitated at certain times, I'd want to drink beer. I'd want to drink like, you know, two, two beers and get a little buzz going. And I've noticed after over the course of time that that would sort of like push down this energy that was sort of arising in me that would lead to this agitation or this frustration. And so I stopped, started playing with that and I stopped drinking as much. And what happened was this anger and stuff started coming to the surface, you know, and I had to start to feel it and I had to work with it. And that had a lot to do with, um, expressing, you know, expression, sort of, uh, healthy sort of expression of what felt true and right for me. And so, um, you know, I, it was necessary for me to sort of have a direct felt experience of that in my body. There are many situations that I can think of, you know, breakups, uh, that I can personally think of, you know, like a breakup that really like, Oh, it hurts, you know, like a relationship I was in. And I really wanted this relationship because unconsciously I was, you know, my, I was hinging all of my self-worth on being in a relationship with this person. You know, it meant that I was worthy if I was in relationship with this person and they broke up with me. And so I had to feel all the ways in which I didn't feel worthy. And I had a direct heartache, that direct felt experience of that. And it hurt. And, um, you know, my heart in that process, my heart opened up to these parts of me that where I didn't feel worthy. So there is a direct felt experience that is necessary 
because of that felt direct, direct experience with the sort of anger and the alcohol situation, I said, like, I don't drink anymore. I stopped that habit. You know, it wasn't a, a thing that was out of control or anything, but it was the thing that was affecting me and that was, um, you know, keeping me from, from becoming more whole on some level. Uh, I have that same sort of situation with a lot of clients client recently has swelling and, you know, arthritis type stuff going on in her body. And, um, you know, I said, no, nah, you might want to think about not drinking and, but drinking was really important to her. She had one glass, two glasses of wine every night and it was just really important to her, you know, uh, down the line, she got some help from, uh, some, the medical world and they said, don't drink. So she had to stop drinking. Uh, and as far as the relationship goes, you know, it was that, that not feeling worthy was like creating all sorts of habits in all sorts of areas of my life, not just that relationship area. But once I'd sort of felt that and had a direct experience of that, I, and there were a string of relationships that were sort of similar after that, really having a direct experience of that. Uh, things changed. I decided, you know what, like I'm not, I'm a pretty cool guy. You know, there's someone who might be, there's someone who might be really interested in being with me out there. And that's, you know, that's when I met my wife. So, um, so yeah, there's three levels of awareness that lead towards habit change that are involved with habit change. The first level is, you know, I don't know what I don't know. The second level is becoming aware of what you don't know on an academic level, sort of um, mental level. And then the third one is having, if you want to sort of really dissolve and change a habit, we must have a sort of direct experience of direct experience, a felt sense of how bad this habit sucks <laughs> in our bodies. And there are lots of things like, you know, the thing that is going to uh, bring that to the surface is often, not often, it's necessarily must involve the body. So body-centered psychotherapy, um, yoga, um, uh, my, you know, mindfulness awareness, meditation, um, healing modalities like the work that I do here at the BioSoul Integration Center that are body centered, that are about bringing attention to the body, um, are key to sort of changing habits. Okay. So I hope you found this useful, interesting, please like it, please share it, please pass it along to someone who you think might be interested in it. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next video and I look forward to helping you express more life. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the BioSoul Integration Podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on my BioSoul Integration YouTube channel. You can also find me on the web at biosoulintegration.com. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to helping you express more life. Have a great day.